Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 123, episode one of Your Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness and say, officially off the top, fuck the Koch brothers and fuck Fox News. It's Monday. March 2nd, 2020. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Great Sweat Spectations, a.k.a. John Dies at the Trend, a.k.a. Wuthering Zeitz, a.k.a. The Great Jacksby, a.k.a. The Catcher in O'Brien, a.k.a. A Tale of Two Liddy, a.k.a. A Portrait of the Artist Has the Numb Hands. Uh, that is courtesy of just TDZ, a.k.a. As I would have also accepted uh, A Portrait of the Artist Has the Dumb Hands. Uh, hung man. As a hung man, yeah, yeah, also works. Uh, and I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray! Oh, it's Miles Gray. Thank you to everybody in the wonderful city of Toronto for making my AKA of AAA smoking weed with Miles Gray. Come true. Come true. The offerings of smoked meats, blunts, biscuits, everything. meat for Miles Gray. Oh, my goodness. The high. We'll never. I, I think I might just have to. We just peaked. Smuggle my way back into Ontario. But yeah, what this a show! Was, what a time. what a what show! A what a what a time in Canada. Twenty four hours. Uh, and speaking of our time in Canada, we are thrilled to be joined in our Toronto hotel room. This is a big moment, y'all. By you, you know him as. Our writer, Jam McNabb, uh, <laughs> because that's his name. He is Mr. Jam McNabb! Hey, hey guys. What's up, man? No, not too much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, hey, thanks for being here, man. So great to see you in person. Mm. Uh, most Full disclosure, I have never met you physically. No. Until last night or a few physically. nights ago, so this is all... This is all very. Uh, I've been working thrilling. with you for like seven years. I feel like. I know. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. We've talked on the phone lots of times. Yes. But uh, yeah, to be here in person in a hotel room with the drapes uh, closed yeah. is a whole other experience. Had to pull yeah. the blinds. I don't know why Jack's wearing tissue boxes on his feet, but <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's the vibe he's creating uh, in here. The nails are grown out suddenly. Uh, I'm peeing in jars, and yeah. Did he? Uh, did Howard use die mysteriously? Like, do, I don't think so. Or like, they just it wasn't publicized. He or lived a long time. He lived a mysteriously long time. But he right? like went like into the shat, completely retreated, didn't he? Like, until yeah, his I death, think he was were like flying oh. around, like, and wouldn't land. I think when, regardless of how he died, people would be like, "That makes sense." Yeah, <laughs> great. Yeah. Um, well, everything I know about Howard Hughes is informed by Mr. Burns in that one episode. <laughs> right. <of Simpsons. laughs> yeah. You didn't see the aviator? Nah. Because it, I did. It didn't look anything like Mr. Burns' the depiction the from future. The Simpsons. It's the wave of the future. It's the wave of the future. <laughs> wave of the future. Wave of the future. He starts saying that. Although it's... I did, I've done events at that the hangar where he was building the Hercules. Yeah, that yeah. was dope. That's like now just a relic in L.A. where they just throw parties. Because like, look, was it a made-up hangar? Like, did they invent it for the? Did they build it for the movie or? No, no, no. This was like the actual where. Oh, like the actual hangar where built. he yeah. built it. And yeah. Now people are like, it's the hangar from the Aviator. Exactly. Yeah. Where's the restroom? The well, here's here are several jars. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, Jam. Yeah. It's it's great to have you here. Uh, we're gonna get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're gonna tell our listeners a couple of things uh, we're talking about. Uh, we're gonna talk about. Uh, from the end of last week, we didn't get a chance to discuss the fact that Tom Steyer uh, knows you can't stand it, dick bandit, done landed all over your planet. Uh, we're going to talk about Trump's coronavirus, you know, using the word hoax in, in relation to uh, the fact that people are being critical of his handling. Uh, we're going to talk about a new whistleblower. We're going to talk about... Uh, how Bernie is it? So we're uh, full disclosure. We don't know the outcome of uh, the South Carolina primary as of this recording because uh, we're in Canada and news travels slowly uh, mm-hmm. across the border. Uh, so we don't know what happened yet in the South Carolina primary. Uh, but I, I did want to talk about uh, the fact that Bernie's win in Nevada caused Biden to surge. Uh, Five thirty eight had an interesting article about that. So we'll talk about that. And then we're going to talk about something I know we'll get to, the bagel burrito, mm-hmm. which is a bagel burrito. Uh, and I want to talk to you. Um, so it's not talk just to, a clever name. Yeah, it's not just a clever name. <laughs> and then I want to talk to you about The Invisible Man. Yes. you saw it. 
I did. Which I didn't even know was possible to see the Invisible Man, but uh, dad joke for you all. Uh, dad. Hey, I'm on fire. Uh, but Jam, first. No, seriously, put me out. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it's been great. Uh, Jam, first we like to ask our guests, what's something from your search history that's revealing about who you are? Okay, well, I I wanted to talk about something kind of Canadian with you guys. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I had something in the back of my mind that I remember someone saying that I never investigated. Uh, so I searched the other day, uh, was Jack the Ripper Canadian? Oh. Because I thought someone told me that uh, at a party or something. Huh. It was... Uh, and I looked it up, and there is like a guy that some people think could have been Jack the Ripper, who was he was born in Scotland, but he was raised in Canada, uh, and he was educated here. He became a doctor, and hmm. he was eventually arrested and uh, executed in England for for poisoning women. Huh. Uh, but the reason, the main reason why they think he was Jack the Ripper, is because as they were uh, hanging him in public. Just before, you know, the trap door opened and, and he hung, he said, I am Jack. And then, and then he hung to death. Oh, oh wow. Then he was strangled. So he never got to finish it. But people, based on that account that said that's what he said, uh, wonder if he was going to confess to the Jack the Ripper killings. Uh, now, there's a few. Or he was going to say, I am Jack's dull life, and quote, Fight Club, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. He was a big Fight Club fan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, his name wasn't Jack. So. Uh, no, his name was uh, Thomas Cream. Oh, yeah. Which sounds made up, but Dude, I assure Tom you, Cream? it's true. Tom Cream. Tom right. Cream. I like that. Uh, and he, uh, the only sort of hiccup in the story is he was he in- was jacking off as he said, I am jacking <laughs> off. And so people were like, Well, oh, you say that as a joke, but uh, <laughs> one of the theories as to what he might have been saying, uh, one of his biographers said that he thinks he may have, in that moment of strangulation- lost control of his uh, body functions, and he might have actually been saying, I'm ejaculating. Oh. Uh, hey. Wow. Which is like an love extra layer theory. of ickiness. Uh, <laughs> I am, oh, look, he's jacking. No one really wins in this, uh, <laughs> yeah, whatever the truth is here. Yeah. Yeah. But he, uh, he was in jail during some of the killings in, the, uh, in London, so they, we don't really think he was Wouldn't that Jack be a point Ripper. of pride to say Jack the Ripper was Canadian? I wonder, yeah. Like, I wonder if we would lose our politeness cred. Yeah. If it was like Home right. of Jack the Ripper. If everyone had that in their subconscious, like, yeah, we got that in us. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it would definitely make Canada, like, a little bit, I don't know, a dangerous, edge. a little edgy. Okay. Yeah. A little, yeah. But it's kind of, like, balanced out by, like, Martin Short. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, also a national treasure. What is something you think is overrated? Overrated? I'm going to say Texting. Mm-hmm. Texting, okay, because it just occurred to me the other day that when I was a kid, the big thing was like video phones. Like I remember right. seeing video phones like Radio Shack for a thousand dollars, or oh yeah, you know, in movies, there's always video phones, and it just occurred to me that we're always constantly sending each other like electronic telegraphs, basically, <laughs> right? Just because we're too anxious to actually see each other face to face or talk to each other. Like if you fa- if you just randomly FaceTimed a friend, they oh. would call the police. Yeah. yeah. I would I would just be like, what is wrong with them? Yeah. Right now? yeah. If it's not a family member, like I only expect FaceTimes, like I know when to expect a FaceTime, not even like outside of a hey, FaceTime me. Yeah. Like certain time, like my birthday, if I get it from an aunt or something, yeah. fine. Like I get that. Out of the blue, from like yeah. a like a friend from high school, I'm like, oh, what the fuck is this? Yeah. What manner? <laughs> what how are you trying to invade my life at the moment? I have butt faced timed people before. That's way more embarrassing really? than butt dialing people. Yeah. Damn, but do you time. do that? Yeah. You just sit on your phone? Like yeah. you literally were just setting it off in your pocket. I don't pocket? think it was yeah, I think it was in my pocket and then I think one time my one year old uh had my phone and like FaceTimed <laughs> somebody and yeah, it was like, oh, hey, sorry. <laughs> That's like a really awkward thing. Sorry, my baby's trying to communicate with yeah. you. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely prefer FaceTiming. I, I FaceTime my family all the time from, from the road, you know? Yeah. Uh, turn the page, man. We're just a couple road dogs. I know, man. Out here. <laughs> just never know. These kids grow up so damn quick, man. You know what I mean? You're basically living the lives of like old, old, like old vaudevillians. Yeah. You know, you're, you're this yeah. duo traveling from town to town. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Spinning our yarns. act is, you know, very physical. A lot of physical comedy. A lot of pratfalls. Yeah. 
That um, straw hat you wear on stage. Yeah. A lot of tumbling. Yeah, Anna comes out with the old hook. <laughs> yeah, when you do a dad joke, I mean, it's all it's all very. Well it's scripted. all yeah. You guys missed it. <laughs> if you missed out, uh, you really missed out. Uh, what is something you think is underrated? Uh, underrated. The first thing that came to mind for me was uh, you guys remember the show American Vandal? Yeah, the Netflix show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's crazy to say it's underrated because it like won a Peabody Award. Did but, it really? Yeah. It, <laughs> it won amazing. a Peabody Award for media or something. But right. it's a legitimately great show that you never hear about. And it was, I looked into it, it was only canceled by Netflix uh, because Netflix didn't own it outright. It was like another studio produced it. Right, right, right. And they started making, you know, their their content that they owned 100% so they could uh, use it for all time forever. So, I don't know. It's just kind of a bummer. It was a really good show. Was season two great? I didn't get... I, I, I saw the first episode and I was like, all right, I really liked the first season rather than the second season. What happened in know. season two? Wasn't season that all laxative? Season two is even better. Yeah, it's a laxative. It's called the brownout where basically someone spikes the, uh, the school's uh, juice supply with laxatives. Mm-hmm. Same school? Uh, no, different school. The school basically hires the kids to The go. same kids yeah, for, and, who solved the first mystery. And also in the world of the show, like the first season was a hit documentary series on Netflix. So <laughs> they have all this money and clout now. So they reenact things with computer graphics. And, <laughs> oh, right. Next great. level. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so you said you season two it. is even better than season one? I think it is. Yeah. Oh, wow. And it actually tries to say something. Great. Yeah. I love when one of our underrateds actually gives us like something to go do. This is great. Yeah. And if you haven't seen American Vandal and you like true crime and comedy, you should watch it. Yeah. Because it, it threads the needle perfectly yeah. for something so dumb. The first season is like, who drew all these dicks on yeah. shit? <laughs> Who was it? Right. And just the process of elimination of like treating that so seriously. It's... Oh, man. And some of the characters are so real. Like, just yeah. so balls, just completely accurate. Balls on, literally. Uh, finally, what is a myth? What's something people think is true you know to be false, sir? Uh, I wanted to throw out another kind of Canadian centric thing. Yeah. Uh, what would you guys guess is Canada's national sport? Hockey. Right. You'd think that. Curling. No. Uh, well, it's kind of hockey, but historically, it was always lacrosse. The cross? <laughs> Which, yeah, this translates <laughs> yeah, as the cross. Yeah. Uh, no, lacrosse was the uh, national game until the 60s when uh, some guy in parliament decided that it should be hockey. So he introduced a bill to legally make hockey the national sport. Oh, hell yeah. And then the, apparently there was like a lacrosse lobby that got pissed off about this. So they got another member of parliament to introduce a bill to make lacrosse the legal national sport. And apparently this is a thing that happened. It was a, a, a big deal. And they kind of negated each other. And nothing happened until the 90s when someone made it law that lacrosse could be the national summer game and hockey could be the national winter game. Wow. So it's it's kind of lacrosse, kind of they are kind there, of gave hockey a bit of it in the end. Are there like general political association? Like in America, you know, football tends to have like sort of a right leaning political baseball more than football. I'd baseball say. also has like sort of a right leaning thing, and then the NBA is more center left, technocrat, liberal, I feel like. Yeah. Uh and then uh, I don't know what's leftist. <laughs> what's a leftist sport? <laughs> uh, chess. Yeah. Yeah. So is lacrosse still popular though? Like, is it still no, no. popular enough that <laughs> no, people would consider? It hasn't been played like, yeah. here for decades. <laughs> there are like leagues, I think, but not on the same scale or of anything. Hockey. No, no. Right. It's it's a weird kind of technicality. Lacrosse is weird in America too. It's kind of like randomly distributed. Like it's, it's like huge in New England. I feel like. Big in New England, but it's really big in like the DC, Maryland, yeah, right. Baltimore area. Like it's huge right in that like region. Right, um, right. And then there's like some places out west where it's really big, but yeah. it just seems kind of like yeah, it's been evangelized to some places. I play because like I knew a lot of kids when I played competitive hockey that would meet who lived in the East Coast. They were like, Well, when it's not cold, we're all playing lacrosse because it's sort of similar not skill sets, but just sort of right. tactically similar things. But I tried playing once, and I was really bad with the stick, yeah. whatever the fuck you call that thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I was like, "Man, fuck this! I'll go back to hockey." Yeah, 
Your sticking game wasn't, you weren't Dude, sticking. bro, I just, you know, you should see me out there on the ice. Nimble, nimble sticker. Fucking wrist shots from the blue line, pal. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, that's how on point my wrist shot was. Oh, yeah, you did go out for a rip last night. I out for a rip, yeah. dude. Yeah. <laughs> Are you, yeah. bud? Yeah, it was a great time. Yeah. Shout, oh, shout out to the couple from Sudbury, too. Shout out to everybody Sudbury who came was to in the, the building. show. Uh, Montreal was in the building. Sorry, guys. We're still high off this show last night. Uh, what what a crowd. It's uh, like 330 people. Yeah. It was a lot of people. They were they were rowdy. Uh, Everyone's the, been rowdy. Yeah. You know, they were amazing. That I, gang's just a rowdy bunch all over the world. You yeah. know, Internationally known and locally respected. <laughs> it was like a rock concert. Yeah. It was, they, they were honestly... I like, mean, Miles and I have seen a million faces, and we have rocked, rocked them all, them bro. All. <laughs> Uh, sorry. That was I just gave myself douche chills. Uh, all right, <laughs> let's we're, let let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back, and uh, there's just kind of a, a little snapshot in time uh, that we got at the end of last week that was. Uh, the closest I've ever seen to reality matching up with the part at the end of Rosemary's Baby where she's like drugged and keeps like looking up and like seeing these like snapshots from like a party of Satanists. Do you know Whoa. that part? Uh huh. Yes. Like, yeah, that's what this evoked in my mind because it was a juvenile concert. They were performing Back That Ass Up and the camera just kept panning from juvenile over to Tom Steyer. I think Tom Steyer's wife and one of his staffers or his daughter, I don't know. Yeah. Uh dancing on stage like badly but with complete abandon and it just seemed like a a complete fucking fever dream nightmare. Yeah, I mean the, the apparently the like there was nice food there. There was like char- there was a charcuterie station. Really? <laughs> yeah, and like cold pork paninis. A I mean, full potato bar. Right. It was just like opulent. Yeah. And I mean, even, I'm not against it. I, I root for the Satanists and Rosemary's baby. I'm, <laughs> I'm team Satan. This but yeah, it, they just want a baby. <laughs> just seeing I don't even know what to fucking think, man. Just Tom Steyer awkwardly being like, I'm hip hopping everybody. Right, yeah. And he was juvenile. definitely dancing like a politician. Like he kept like pointing to the crowd like yeah. politicians always do, but that was like part of his dance routine. It would be funny if his like wife's just started busting it open on stage. Oh, man. And they're like, what? Okay, Tom Steyer, Mrs. Steyer, or whoever that woman was on stage. Uh, and Juvenile, okay, I didn't realize uh, he's Steyer gang, too. Dude, secure the bag, man. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Like, just just secure the bag. Juvenile was not... a professional. Right. He didn't even look like he was out there, you know, just having a party for this billionaire's right. election. Yeah. He was just thinking about the speedboat that, yeah. <laughs> that that party would get him. Right, yeah. right, right. He's like, mm-hmm, keep your eye on the prize. Yeah. I, it was hard to watch. It felt like if someone had granted my self-consciousness sentience, right. it would be Tom Steyer dancing at that <laughs> concert. Right, right, right. Yeah. It was just like, every uh, that, like that's why I don't dance. Because yeah. that's what plays in my head when I picture myself dancing. Right, yeah. You can't dance like nobody's watching you. Like that... that he felt like he was dancing like everybody was watching, and he just like had was fully aware of that, which is how I uh, always feel. Like. I mean, I like I think you know he was like, okay, Joe Biden got Jim Clyburn to come out for him and endorse him. Yeah, like, oh, no. get juvenile, right? Well, yeah. this is this was a big uh, race for Steyer, right? He had kind of put all his eggs in the Nevada and South Carolina baskets. Yeah, so. Uh, We'll see once the news reaches Canada how how uh, that race went for him. It's I just going to be yeah. a couple of years now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious if he realizes that Juvenile is not from South Carolina. He's a Nolia boy from New Orleans. So, right. uh, But hey, you know. Uh, so coronavirus stuff, I feel like, uh, you know, Probably not the most fun story to hear us tracking because it's just scary and Doing depressing and travel? nothing, nothing we can do about it. And also, we probably have it because we've been traveling nonstop. I keep seeing these stories where people are like, yeah, people 
cutting back on domestic travel and international travel and like <laughs> companies like, aren't st- sending people anywhere anymore and we've spent like half our time over the past week on planes so, uh. uh yeah i don't know i feel okay though we've been we've just been destroying ourselves with uh vitamin greasy c food and too. <laughs> greasy food which Helps and washing washing my hands so and much prayers. that yeah. and prayer and prayer yeah we hold our hand we hold hands together uh, just Miles and I the way we pray, both hands let's lick our palms yeah. and put them together <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyways Trump uh, is keeping things interesting at a, a South Carolina rally he let everyone know what's actually going on with the coronavirus it's just a lie by the Democrats to smear him kind yep. of was the implication it's a fucking hoax y'all. Um, Good news then. Yeah, that's great. Exactly. Just, God, that would be great. I mean, again, listen to his words uh, right. and tell me if this doesn't, you know, get you to completely realize. Oh yeah, this is probably of just course, a big of hoax. course. Now the Democrats are politicizing the coronavirus. You know that, right? Corona- <laughs> coronavirus. That's funny. They're politicizing. <laughs> They're politicizing. It. We did one of the great jobs. You say. How's President Trump doing? They go, oh, not good, not good. They have no clue. They don't have any clue. They can't even count their votes in Iowa. They can't even count. Ah. No, they can't. You burnt. You burnt, Democrats. Okay, so the World Health Organization, experts all over the world. No, just everyone is like, this is a problem. They're politicizing it. Yeah. Uh, Okay, they're doing a... I like it goes, we did one of the great jobs. Yeah. One of the great jobs. I wonder, maybe that'll be his, like, mission accomplished banner. We did one of the great jobs. One of the great jobs, We did great jobs. So Um, there's that. Yeah, yeah, and then it ends with an own. Yeah, with with a complete own. Uh, This is just, it's, that news is hitting as, you know, we're starting to see cases of unknown origins popping up in multiple states, which, like, when you read into it, that means that these are people who are getting it who haven't traveled and they don't and like they don't know who they got it from like there's nobody they were in contact with that they know of who had traveled so it's just like yeah that's like community like it's just out there now yeah like people are just getting it yeah (laughs) and it's just a hoax y'all it's, I do like that uh, it seems like Trump has fully become the mayor from Jaws at this point. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. It was just like, no, there's no problem. The economy is doing great. Yeah, keep mm-hmm. keep doing what you're doing. Right. Um, and there, there's a, apparently a new whistleblower. Yeah, because uh, we got another whistleblower. Uh, this one out of uh, Health and Human Services. And this one is basically after seeing how HHS officials were like w- sent to Wuhan to like uh, get Americans basically out of the city. Uh-huh. Um, and these people from HHS were not given protective gear and were not subsequently tested for the virus. Mm-hmm. So they said, yeah, go to sick town, right. meet the sick people and bring them on back. But I don't know. Just bring them back. We don't yeah. know what's going on. It's probably Maybe fine. here's some hand sanitizer. Nah. No, 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 no. Uh, you don't need that, actually. No, but so this person um, who like works in the in- administration for children and families, uh, like sort of specifically at subdivision, uh, apparently like the officials from the department retaliated against her by reassigning her. And she claims that she was told that if she didn't accept her new position by like March 5th or something, that she would just be fired. Yeah. I mean, it's an active cover up already. Yeah. Like already, like yeah. not even that far into the crisis, and it's an active cover up, and it's happening kind of on every level. Like there was a health official who w- was booked on every weekend, like morning show, mm-hmm. and Pence made him cancel it all, right? Because yeah, it's they're just completely in information lockdown. Uh, this is all about controlling the image that... But they don't even have control of that at this right. point. Like, everything's out there. People are, like, just reading the complaints. The other allegations are that uh, the Americans who were coming back from Wuhan were, like, at, there's Travis Air Force Base in Fairfield, California, March uh, Air Reserve Base in Riverside, that those people were greeted by HHS officials and who like they may have been left without protection against coronavirus transmission as they received these people. Yeah. And then those people, the employees of HHS, took commercial flights around the country. And we're just staying in hotels. Yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah. like there's nothing at all 
that they did right. And they yeah. were saying that even then, uh, even when they talk about how they handled not just the administration, but in general, the cruise ship that was docked, if they had actually evacuated people from the ship a lot sooner, that there would have been a lot less cases of people uh, get like getting the illness. So it's all very comforting. I mean, we've been just bathing in the shit stream of news for the past three years, and there have been like a couple stories where I've involuntarily like said out loud, "Oh my god!" And that happened twice this morning. Right when when I got to the part where it was like, and they just sent him around on commercial flights, (laughs) and then the hoax thing. It's like. You read about how bad things are, like all these signs that it's about to hit like an inflection point, and then Trump is describing it as a hoax. Like it's literally just like things out of movies about a botched like how we just have the worst possible you know, this this is the thing that we were worried about where, you know, we kept being like, Yeah, but what if Trump like was president during something that was actually important that mattered and yeah, required mattered. Uh, like not sort of uh his contempt for experts right yeah. like this is that moment now. yeah absolute contempt for the people who like are trying to get this thing under control right and putting in people who believe in like hardcore religion and pseudoscience yeah to like run point and his contempt for people who are poor is going to come in his contempt for people who are brown is going to come in he's his racism like it's all going to come in now because like all all of the different you know biases like that affect how he interacts with reality are going to are going to come out and be a part of how this uh, event unfolds. I think it also, it affects, you know, how he, how he plays the game because he uses fear so much. Right. If people are afraid of the coronavirus, he's not going to be able to like stoke up fear for a migrant caravan or, you know, he's not able to control the, the mass hysteria in the way that he's used to. Well, he's going to be able, he's going to use this to, to make people afraid of, migrant caravans i think like i think i think this will eventually i mean usually like illnesses i mean it's already causing racism like Mm -hmm. my wife and mother-in-law were both like you know telling me they feel self-conscious just like sneezing in public because you know of how people yeah they're korean and people just generally are uh like that's already like part of how people perceive uh this event uh and it's gonna it's gonna keep happening and it's gonna get worse well the other thing is like on fox news they have been taking the orders from the president and downplaying and mitigating like how bad this could be to their viewers which skew older right so and the older people as we've seen are they probably most vulnerable to the effects of the virus Yeah. yeah um and they're like yeah 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 don't worry about it don't worry about it like how do they think that's going to end up too? Like if, you know, hopefully there will, that we can get to a point where it doesn't get so terrible and uh, people are sort of in total mass hysteria and the, the, the transmission of the virus has gone out of control. Right. But, you know, they're actively telling people things like that is dangerous for them. Yeah. You know, yeah. like they should be like, yeah, you know what? Uh, maybe protect yourself a little bit rather than being like, you know how many coronavirus deaths in the U S zero. Okay. Right. Trump's got it under control, baby. Lick all the doorknobs in town. <laughs> right. You're good. Yeah. Um, I mean, I stopped licking doorknobs as wow. soon as I heard this news. What, well, what self-control? I've been saying you're a hero uh, <laughs> because I, I can't stop personally, but I mean, that's yeah. just me. Um, all right. Let, let's talk briefly, even though the South Carolina primary news hasn't reached us up here. Uh, I do want to talk about something that happened in the polls that 538 wrote about at the end of last week that is somewhat unprecedented, or at least like they didn't have a precedent for it, which is that, so Bernie had a decisive victory in Nevada, the first state that ha- uh, was actually, had a diverse demographic people, you know, the media at first was like, well, this is going to be like a thing now. This is, he's the front runner. He's the clear front runner. But the media also was freaking out, and so was the DNC, and it actually caused Biden to surge and Sanders' polls to plummet. His win like hurt his polls, which is like never 
been a thing that happened. So it's like in it, which poll, what polls exactly did it affect? Like, all, so five thirty eight just does a, a blended average of all the polls, and South Carolina. Sanders was surging, Biden was dropping, uh Sanders won Nevada and so Nevada. Nevada. And uh sorry. <laughs> uh but so uh, and then Biden started surging and Sanders started dropping like a stone. Now it's uh Sanders has a like one in thirty chance of winning in South Carolina and Biden has a ninety seven percent chance. And you know, a lot of people were like, well, Biden had a he overperformed by having a solid debate. Um, and they were like, and he also got that uh, uh, endorsement. Mm-hmm. But they were saying that actually when you look at when the surge happened, it was when Sanders won in Nevada. So it was the media reaction. It was the DNC reaction. It was just like the public's reaction to Sanders winning. Was well, is, that, that that's it seems I mean I think some it makes people sense. yeah are still you know of the belief or whatever or buy into whatever perceived threat his presidency could be yeah uh, and that shows when you have things like that and sort of how impressionable yeah. people are the other thing interesting too is there was a a a few researchers actually were studying the effects of like five thirty eight on twenty the twenty sixteen election yeah and how it may have actually depressed voter turnout because they because were being they like were... it's gonna be a fucking blizzo out. Yeah, like yeah, don't yeah, worry yeah. about it. And a lot of people were like, "Oh, that created a lot of overconfidence in voters." Uh, I think. I think. Yeah, I would say the New York Times more than five thirty eight. There, it's all together, baby. Yeah, it's, it's all, all together. together. I think it's all. I mean, because the fact is, it's the just the sort of reliance on polling data too helps. You know. Yeah. It, I mean, I get it. It's a. It it helps give people a snapshot of what's happening in time. But I think. Again, I think a lot of the lesson most people learned anyway out of there was like, yes, we understand what the polls are saying too, right. but it can it can work in every direction. Yeah, I think definitely the media coverage of polling in 2016, uh, I just think 538 does like a pretty scientific blended average of the polls, whereas like the New York Times was just like, it's 99% chance Hillary wins. Mm-hmm. 538 was one of the only places that was like, no, it's actually pretty close do you remember that on election day watching that those numbers start going yeah Uh, yeah it was wild yeah i like that was yeah it's like traumatic anyways so uh the thing that is most likely the the most likely thing uh in their blended average of overall outcomes uh now up at 50 percent chance of happening is that nobody gets the majority and then it's a uh brokered convention brokered convention in which case that like I think Sanders' only chance now is getting a majority outright because No, I mean the there are Michael Bloomberg is working on super delegates. There are people working on super delegates yeah. if there has to be a second vote. Yeah. And it's it, Yeah, it's you, anybody's guess what yeah. the fuck the DNC I, would do. Dude, I'm telling you right now, it ain't gonna be Elizabeth Warren either. No. The fucking people they're talking about is Michael Bloomberg or like Michelle Obama. Like they're in fantasy world <laughs> yeah. right now. Yeah. Like they don't want they can't have anybody who's going to do anything remotely disruptive to the billionaire like right. elite class. Yeah. Absolutely not. Like if it goes to a broker convention, like I think Biden is the best we could hope for. <laughs> like it's honestly like Who fucking that. knows. Yeah. Or they or these people really think Bloomberg. I have no fucking clue what could happen. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. I mean, we'll begin to see as as time goes on like what what they're trying what kind of weather balloons they're sending up. But my goodness, like Didn't they mention Kamala Harris too? Yeah, there were, there were a few people who said that. What, there, really? Yeah, yeah, there were people who like I mean, all there were all kinds of names going out there, but I think what it came down to is that they would they're going to figure something else out if it comes right. down to it. And one of the people that was in that New York Times article who was one of the superdelegates, this guy William Owen, he is like dude, he is one of the people who like contributes to like Republicans. He's like a former health uh, uh healthcare lobbyist who like backed Mitch McConnell. Uh-huh. This is guy like one of the f- dudes like being yeah. like, "Yeah, we got to we got to stop Sanders." Of course. Uh, an ex-healthcare lobbyist. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's not going to pick Elizabeth Warren either. He's going to pick fucking yeah. whoever. Probably yeah. Bloomberg. No, I mean, this. it seems like the most likely outcome is like 
the death of any political will on on behalf of like anybody under the age of forty. Like, yeah, everyone's just gonna be so. This is just. I mean, not everyone, but every like the people who are, uh, you know, who became interested, motivated about politics uh, over the past, you know, five years Mm -hmm. are just gonna be totally checked out. Or it'll be like a cause of revolution. But yeah, I mean, here's the deal, man. If they do that shit, it's straight up class warfare at that point. It's like you have the fucking people who are deciding whoever they want, and for them to just intervene. Like that to put the interest aside of people like working people's, you know, rights, needs and things like that. It's clearly showing, hey, we have the fucking power at the end of the day. Yeah. You can, you know, you can vote and rally and shit. But at the end of the day, like we set this system up. So like we're going to we're going to fucking keep it moving the same way it's been moving. Yeah. I I think we read that New York Times article at the end of last week that just covered the, you know, the delegates planning to who are like, we've got to stop Sanders. As just like, yeah, of course that's what they're doing. And just like par for the course as opposed to, yeah, this is class warfare. You will start a class war. Like you will end your party's viability forever, probably. But instead it was just like, yeah. And so uh, there we found uh, intense opposition. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay, that's not. From within our bubble. Right. It, it's just, yeah, it's such a bubble that they don't, they don't have any concept of how uh, toxic and bad that would be. Yeah. And I think whoever, like no matter who you support, you need to look at this situation and understand what these people at the, at that, at that level are thinking and fighting and what they want to keep away from you, what they want to take away from you. Yeah. So yeah, we're fucked. Uh, We'll see. We'll see. Chins up. (laughs) Chin up, pal. Uh, All right. We're going to, on that note, on that hopeful note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk about the bagel Rito. (laughs) And we're back. And, uh, woo. Let's get to the real news. Yeah, we're this, really fucked now. This the is one of the grossest looking things I think I've ever seen. Okay, it could be gross, or I think I'll eat. I'll try anything once. You I, know? Okay, because uh, I, you know, I'm the gross food bandit. Uh, and the bagel Rito is from Einstein Bros Bagel Company. Do y'all yeah, have that up here? I'm a Canada? fan. I've never heard of that. In okay, my life. so that's a that's a that's an American company. But essentially, it's exactly what you think. It's a burrito. It's a bagel. It's everything you need. The way they describe it. <laughs> The Bagel Rito is the latest breakfast innovation from Einstein Bros Bagels. Substantial in size and high in flavor, it's loaded with two cage-free eggs, thick-cut bacon, turkey sausage, three cheeses, hash browns, salsa, and green chiles to a f- in a flour tortilla. It looks like the filling of this burrito just looks like what you would like push out of an artery of somebody <laughs> right. who just died of a... It looks like an artery. It yeah. doesn't even look like a photograph. It looks like a Salvador Dali painting or something. <laughs> it's so like surreal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's all ha- all hand-wrapped in Asiago bagel dough and baked fresh. Its substantial size, high flavor, and portability has earned its slogan, big, bold, and easy to hold. Yeah. Now, the reviews have actually been good. Really? Yes. They're saying like because like it actually has a lot more ingredients than normal fast food things do. Right. So like and there's like actual flavors in it. Um, the only thing I'm a little confused about is why have a flour tortilla within the bagel already? I feel no. like the bagel itself. Wait, there's a flour tortilla in the bagel. So it's like you have a mini breakfast burrito inside, and then a bagel outside. That's, so you have two uh, starch layers. I feel like that's a little redundant. That's too much, but I don't know. Now, now you're telling me that it's getting positive reviews, and now I kind of want to try it. Yeah, because the but takeout. who's reviewing it? Just like uh, one of the food writers okay. at the takeout, who like right. you know typically I you know I like They're I like how she talks up. about food. Yeah. Um, I think it was written by Marnie Schur, and it you know. Marnie Schur Einstein? Uh, Wait a second. (laughs) But yeah, like everyone, a lot of people there were pretty impressed. She went to like a press event. The write-up was at the press event. And most people were like, oh, okay. (laughs) And it's actually like the bagel was rigid enough that it wasn't like falling apart. So it is big bowl and easy to hold. Yeah. At the same time, at a press event, they're making sure they fucking nail that thing. And the issue with fast food is you're having to, you know, spread that out. 
across yeah, sure. a nation. Yeah, I mean, they don't have a press event for the diarrhea you get. There. <laughs> <Right. Yeah. laughs> they might. We should. We, yeah. I think we have to have the big burrito, though. Yeah. I mean, that that needs to be something that is always... Ta- I, I think the Doughboys do a good job of this, of like taking into account when they're reviewing fast food restaurants. Like, And then I felt like sick for four hours, which is actually not that bad for fast food. Like, I don't ever really feel bad from eating fast food. That's incredible. I, I mean, think that's why I'll never stop. You're a machine. Yeah. Yeah, or I'm just completely rotten on the inside. Right. And like nothing's working anymore. Right. And it's like, yeah, dude, I don't know. <laughs> just <laughs> The wheels are basically have come off and right. somehow you're in free fall but alive. I yeah. feel great. I haven't pooped in 30 days. Yeah. But it's <laughs> great. And then when it comes, watch oh, out. man. Once a month. Lock, lock all the furniture down. You guys know. I have to t- one, day, one day a month, I don't come into work. That's one of my favorite SNL sketches is the one about the birth control pill that like gives you your period. One, like you only have your period once a year. But then like when you do, it's like they're like running around with axes. Wait, like, what's, which year was that? How long ago was that? It was one? when it was one of the first ones after Tina Fey left when she came back and hosted. Oh, OK. And it was just very like strongly <laughs> in her voice. It was amazing. All right. Let's talk about the Invisible Man uh, jam. Yeah. Yeah. So when I first heard they were remaking Invisible Man, you know, I have flashbacks to the going to see the Chevy Chase one when I was a kid in yeah. theaters. And being underwhelmed, uh, but this this looks terrifying. What is the story? I just know it's H.G. Wells, but I don't know. I've never even seen the Chevy Chase one. It's about a dude who's literally invisible. Yeah, yeah. And then he, he just fucks how to around, become invisible. But like, it becomes very sad, kind of because no one can see him. Yeah, I mean, I forget. Well, this one's not Chevy... sad. Yeah, this one is this like one's straight like up horror. horror. Yeah, the Chevy Chase one is more like comedy that then is like kind of angsty is the original story by hg wells like malleable enough basically that depending on wherever the script writer wants to take it you can still honor the original text and be i think they literally just take the idea of a guy who can turn himself invisible okay i think the the original story was supposed to be about kind of like the perils of scientific advancements because it's about a scientist who just kind of gets driven insane by i think that was like 90 percent of what h.g wells wrote about right, right. scientists who go crazy uh but this one is from like the perspective of like the victim like you don't see anything through the perspective of the the invisible man which oh, I was interesting. Shit. okay yeah. and it's... it's still played by chevy chase though which i thought was a weird <laughs> choice <laughs> <laughs> the t- the terrifying uh, invincibility of Chevy Chase, uh, such a such a imposing physical presence. Yeah. Uh, the so this yeah, it really seems like it's got it's basically more in line in the tradition of movies like Enough and Sleeping with the Enemy, where it's like a, a story of a woman who's in an abusive relationship who escapes and then is tormented by. The person she escapes, but that person is invisible. Is it is able to make himself invisible and also like faked his own death, right? Yeah, which is also really clever because they kind of they use the sci-fi concept to kind of make how trauma feels very palpable mm. in terms of the story. Because like the whole first act of the movie is basically just you know, she escapes this abusive uh, household and and this guy, and it's just her in empty rooms and this disquieting feeling of not being alone or not being able to go on with her life because she's kind of haunted by by this trauma. And it it was really effective, I thought. Even just the beginning of the movie before anything sci-fi happens, it's, it's a horror scene that's just about her leaving this guy and about her trying to get out of the house while he's sleeping and it was probably like the most intense, scariest part of the movie. And it's right. before the guy's even invisible. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I mean, that is that is probably the most common like real world experience of horror that people have is like, that's that's when you're at your most, at the most dangerous uh, is when you're trying to leave, like that's when you're at the most danger of being killed is when you're trying to leave an abusive significant other like mm-hmm. that just happens so much. It's uh, like underrepresented because uh, we don't make women the protagonists of our stories. And uh, even like the news, I feel like under underrepresents it. Um, but yeah, so it's a, it's kind of an interesting 
turn uh sort of it feels sort of of a piece with the more like jordan peele uh like social socially conscious horror that yeah Ryan's and it's the happened. same studio it's it's blumhouse right uh, doing it so like the, yeah they've been trying to corner the market on like the socially conscious low budget thriller right because uh, rosemary's they, baby again yeah rosemary yeah. they did that right <laughs> who'd have thought just bringing people's attention to societal issues right. would also be just horrifying right <laughs> like, without any sort of sensationalizing shit but i mean yeah. that's all yeah that's always been like the best horror has been yeah subtle because i think it's yeah. universal and i think even then it sort of demystifies or it's less abstract like the idea of someone's trauma like if if you have it in the form of an invisible man, it can be someone by themselves and you don't know if they're there, but just this feeling, right? right. That sort of helps. I don't know if you, if it's completely abstract, you'd be like, oh yeah, that, that is kind of... Yeah, yeah, and then there's like a whole gaslighting thing too that yeah. seems to be like a tension throughout is like, you know, she's saying there's an invisible person who's uh, haunting her and people are like, you're... You know. yeah, yeah, yeah. More on that later, lady. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it it does tap into that. Yeah, that idea that women need to be believed, and it's also it's it's funny because she keeps trying to tell people that he turned himself invisible, and they're like, I'm not even going to bother to look in his basement full of like mad scientist equipment, and, right? Like, mysterious right. chambers. I'm not, you know, right. Uh, I don't know. None of this is adding up. <laughs> I I will say I think it's a little weird that like it was just written and directed by. This dude is like the guy who wrote Saw, I think, because he got kind of some pats on the back for uh, Elizabeth Moss in an interview that's, that he sort of collaborated with her and, and wanted the female perspective on the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's like, why? I, I just don't understand why, if I was sitting down to write a script about this, why I wouldn't ask. Co write it with yeah. yeah one of the many, many uh, super talented women who aren't being given jobs by hollywood exactly i I, yeah. I just don't understand that and like i said it's a good movie it does a lot well but it, it, maybe it could have been a great movie and, right uh, and had more perspective than this one does i don't know but uh yeah pretty good and better than the the uh the invisible man we might have gotten if they kept going with the uh like the tom cruise verse Right, the Tom Cruise monster verse. Right, so this yeah. was oh, right. this what this is a Universal film, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, Universal owns the rights to all these classic uh, monsters, uh, and they were going to try to like turn it into their own like Marvel universe, where Wolfman and the Mummy, as played by Tom Cruise, uh, and the Invisible Man. Uh, as played by Johnny Depp, they had cast him. Uh, Russell Crowe as Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde. Uh, w- like they were gonna create like this weird superhero movie slash monster movie hybrid. Uh, and yeah, who could forget that Tom Cruise mummy? Uh, I oh, mean, everybody. I mean, who could remember? Right, <laughs> who could Tom remember Cruise that? Mummy? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that that movie tanked, and they were just like, okay. And then also, yeah, Johnny Depp. Uh, as the invisible man might have been a little bit problematic since he's an abuser. Yeah, I wonder, like, was the story the same? Because right. that would be really weird. <laughs> yeah, I'm assuming not. Um, well, JM, it's been such a pleasure having you, man. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you for uh, working with working us. with us, contributing oh. to the show, man. Thank yeah. you for inviting me on this journey. And I, it sounds silly when I say it out loud, but I mean it 100. percent Oh, thank no. you guys so much. No, thank thanks. You. Man. It's the feeling is mutual. The love is mutual, baby. Yes, yes. Uh, where can people find you? Follow you? Uh, uh, you can follow me you. on Twitter. I'm uh, at JM McNabb again. Uh, I'm uh, usually on the Rewatchability podcast on the uh, Entertainment One podcast network. Uh, if you're watching the new Star Trek show Picard, I also do a, a recap show of that. Uh, it's called T Earl Grey Hot Take. Wow. You can find that on uh, on podcast places. Oh, because he says T Earl Grey hot, right? Is that the yeah, deal? that's what we were going for. Yeah, <laughs> he what? That's like one of the few like Picardisms I know. Oh, okay, that's how, that's how he orders his tea. Yeah, got it. Uh, that's like his shaken, not stirred tea. Exactly, mm-hmm. it's way less cool. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Uh, is there a tweet you've been enjoying? Uh, I did like this is an older one, but. Uh, from uh, the debate the other day, uh, a tweet uh, 
by Matt Oswalt, who uh, who tweeted out debate winner, Bloomberg audience supporters who are now SAG eligible. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was wonderful. Uh, just so what a crowd, huh? Synthetic, or so uh, <laughs> sorry, authentic, right? That's yeah, the yeah. word for when everything's fake. Mm-hmm. And Miles, where can people find you, follow you? Twitter, Instagram, at Miles of Gray. Also on my other podcast, uh, 420-Day Fiance with Sophia Alexandra. Uh, some tweets that I like. Uh, the first one is from a past guest, uh, Amy Miller, at Amy Miller. <laughs> she said, please, stranger, tell me what else I can put in my act. Uh <laughs> <laughs> People love giving you that <laughs> those tips after a show. Yeah, this is this is what you should do. I think. Um, yeah, and I think that is it. Okay. Oh wait, no. Sorry, the other one was from Sophia, but I couldn't find it on her Twitter. I just saw it. <laughs> this was on her Instagram. Sophia Alexandra at the Sophia said, "My psychiatrist is in my phone as brain wizard, and my dentist is dentist Toothington, and my dad is not around." <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um. Oh, <laughs> uh, Sabrina Ahmed tweeted a disaster uh, about this ASAP Rocky for Wall Street Journal magazine thing. It's just so it's a it's a example of a media disaster that I feel like is not being covered. But people need to look at this ASAP Rocky photo shoot for the Wall Street Journal magazine. Um, why? He's. I feel Wait, like. What is he doing? Like, there's like a feature of him. Yeah, there's a feature. There's all these pictures of him, like just being. I don't know. So super whack. dope. Yeah, super dope. But like, I don't know, man. What's going on with that guy? He's so cool sometimes, and then so awful others. Parker, at allergic to sex, tweeted, deleted Twitter because I thought it was making me depressed. Turns out I just have depression. Uh, and. Julia Shiplett tweeted, My Midwestern asks, Love screaming thank you when leaving literally any establishment. And that uh, I, I identify very uh, hard with that. And then Eli, the average guy at Jazz in My Pants, tweeted, Oh, you're not a coffee person? Congratulations on never achieving your potential. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram We have a Facebook fan page and a website DailyZeitgeist.com Where we post our episodes and our footnotes Where we link off to the information That we talked about in today's episode As well as the song we write out on Miles, what song Will that be uh, for this fine Monday? Uh, let's do a track by Hiatus Coyote, one of my favorite bands. It's spelled H-I-A-T-U-S. Well, that's how you spell Hiatus, but Coyote, K-A-I-Y-O-T-E. Fantastic Wait band from Australia, from Australia. Um, and this track is called The Lung. I think they are just one of the greatest bands playing right now. They're masters of their instruments and always a pleasure to see live. The Lung, L-U-N-G? Yes, The okay. Lung. Mm-hmm. Big mm-hmm. fan of those. Yep. Uh, well, The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That's gonna do it for this Monday. We'll be back this afternoon to tell you what the heck's trending right now. Uh, we'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye.